I was yeah. hoping I was hoping TikTok would get banned. I was banking on that, but it didn't. It's mm. still around. So so I have I, I have <laughs> no idea. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Cloud Machine Podcast. My name is Matt Landry, and in this 52nd episode, I'm here with Kara James. Throughout the podcast, we discuss her band Valley, drumming and writing, visual art, her origin story, the music business, being in a band, and much, much more. We also play the producer's game. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast, a platform that allows us to learn more about the music industry through conversations with artists, people in the behind the scenes, music business individuals, creatives, and uh, many more. Our goal is to shine light on all the stuff that is happening in the music world, topics and realities that are gatekept, and the people and roles that may be often overlooked. This week, I have the immense pleasure of welcoming Kara James to the podcast. She is a musician, writer, band member, visual artist, icon. And I'm grateful to be able to call her a friend. I've known Kara now for years through the music industry, but over the past few years, uh, we've gotten to know each other better through what I call my Valley friends in Toronto. Um, so very excited to be able to uh, chat with her today on what is the 52nd episode, uh, which is therefore the, the one year anniversary of the pod, um, which is wild, 52 weeks. Um, is uh is quite incredible. So thank you for to everybody who's uh who's been listening uh, throughout. But um anyway, without further ado, please welcome Kara to the podcast. Hi Kara, how are you? Hi Matt, how are you? <laughs> I'm I'm uh I'm great. Thanks for coming on. Um it's been uh we've been like long overdue, I believe. I know. Thank yeah. you for having me on your 50 second, which in my head I'm like the podcast is 50 seconds. I'm like, how am I going to go with like, but then I realized like, that's my dyslexia being like <laughs> 50 second. Yeah. 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 It might also be just be my, uh, slight French, French accent. Yeah. Yes, um, the French. Yeah, yeah. um, yeah, you're good. I'm good. I'm just, uh, I'm just here in Toronto. Um, Vibing. yet we're, yet we're still zooming, but yes. that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's right, the that's world right. we live in. Yes. That's yeah, the virtual yeah. world we live in. Um, Great. I'm uh, I'm staying hydrated, and what can I say? I don't know. I can't give too much away. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Other it's than fine. that, I'm not vibing. You're, you're, I just had my good. birthday. I'm, I'm just here. I'm yes. Vibing. Yes. Happy birthday. Um, hey, let's start the pod. We always start the pod. Your favorite live show experience as a fan. As a mm. fan, you have one in mind. Love that. Uh, well, the first one that comes to mind is the first time I ever saw the 1975 in mm. concert at the Cool House, Cool House, House H A U S. Oh yeah. Um, for those wondering, um, but I don't think that venue exists anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I think it closed down like a year after that show. But I know so many people that I didn't know at the time that right. were at that concert that I met yes. in the next like ten years of my life. Um, so that was pretty cool just to like meet like, oh, you were at the cool house show, you were at the cool house show. And that was cool. That was like the long lasting effects of that show. But the actual show was amazing. Like I had just discovered them with my bandmates and we were driving around all summer listening to that record. And it was the first time seeing them live. And like, it was just like the most like transcending experience. And like, 
none of us are big drinkers. Like we're pretty like sober Sally's. So like, it was just like a time though in our life where like, I, I, it, it was almost like, you know, it, there, there, there's no, like when you're that young and you're that like inspired by life, like who needs drugs, who needs alcohol? Like you don't need that stuff. And like, that was such like a beautiful time. And then I feel like as you get older, you start to see like, you know, people trying to find the joys with that. But like, I think there was like so many people in that crowd, just like sober as like a stone, just like vibing at the 1975. Not that I'm preaching sobriety, but it was fun. Yeah. When, uh, when was that show and what album was that for? That was a self-titled album and that was in, oh, you're making me do math here. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. 2014? Right, right, like, right, right, right. Or 2016 or 15 or something. Yeah. It was a really, it was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Wild. I I, I think that time. that was Nate's first 1975 show as well. And um, we were there with him. We okay. were there with him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fantastic. He was one of those people that we kind of knew and then we got to know after right. that. Like that band brought so many people together. Like it was wild. Is there, just moving on, is there a project slash campaign slash era? Um, that would best represent your personal work, um, you know, for the people that don't know you, don't know the band, for people to to go check out maybe that that era of of mm. of, of Cara James, let's say. Um, okay, like regarding the band, you mean? Regarding the band, sure, or or just any creative output. All right, I mean, I think maybe the first album we did it yeah. was like sixteen songs um it was a lengthy one but I think that was like the first full-length album we had ever made and that was kind of our opportunity to just like throw everything on the canvas you know like we did not curate a lot for that album we did it like normally like now which I don't even know if this is like the right way to do it not that there's a right way but like we now we write like 60 songs like maybe even more and then we pick 10 to 15 songs out of that, which I'm kind of just like not, I feel like maybe that's not the best way to do it for like myself. Cause like when I feel like I'm in an era of an album, like it's not, it's not trying to like, like you shouldn't be writing so many songs that like they, they, all kind of just become songs and like there's not a lot of meaning attached behind them because they're trying to write mm. as many as you can so that right. you have the option of like choosing the 12 perfect best songs when it's like it's not about that it's about writing from your experience in that moment mm. in that period of time like a snapshot and then taking those songs as if they're just like thoughts that have come in your brain but the more thoughts you have the 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 it becomes the paradox of choice where it's like, well, the more you have to choose from, the less likely now you've chosen the right one and the more complicated that selection process come, be, uh, becomes. And then right. you're sitting there scratching your head being like, well, why isn't this, why does this album feel like there's a disconnect? Well, probably because you wrote too many songs and you diluted your experiences and you tried to chase quantity over quality. And I think anyways like that's a long-winded way of saying like i think for maybe our first album like we wrote songs and 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 there was maybe one or two of songs that we wrote that 
we didn't put on the album mm. every other song we just put as many songs as we had in our Dropbox. They all went on the album. Right. And I think that was a really beautiful thing because each one of them is like a train of thought. And mm. now you're getting this like full beginning to end sort of painted canvas of like where we were at the time. It's a very snapshot, very much a snapshot of of our lives at the time. And, and I think that, that was really beautiful. And I want to get back to that because like that was our first album you have your whole life to write your first album and mm. and yeah I mean it was it was very it was very free-flowing but it was also very concentrated to like mm. this very genuine version of ourselves which like you run away from as you yeah. get older and as you get more successful you, for some reason we want to run away from that yeah with the process of writing 60 songs um can one way maybe become more biased to the song and the songwriting process and how you felt sort of in that moment um, or with those certain producers um, at the time or like, um, I'm just, I, I'm just, I guess I'm asking like if when you're picking from those 60 songs to dilute them to those 12 songs for the record or whatever it is, um, how do you go by picking them? And do you think that they're sometimes influenced by, um, you know, your the experience of that day in the studio or the producers on the record and, and writing credits? Like, how, how, how do you see that? Um, just a just a random question that we didn't I didn't even plan for. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a good question, because I think that that has been something that we've. Discussed a lot, because like. Mm -hmm. I think when you write a song like with somebody like a writer that you really love or really sees you yeah like that's like meeting somebody that you like instantly connect with and and like meeting a friend you know right um for the first time and they see into your soul like you're going to be attached to that person in some way shape or form because they've seen you you know right. and like that's all we want is to be seen and so when a writer does that or a producer does that, or, you know, you're doing that with your bandmates that day, like, um, it's such a special feeling inside. And I think we do attach, I mean, you, you create better art when that happens. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's hard to say whether or not the song actually is better, or you just had a really, uh, like emotionally positive experience with that song. Mm. Um, because I've had friends that, that show me songs like, and they're like, this is the best song we've ever written in our, in our entire lives, like right. listen to this. And I listen to it. I'm like, it's okay. Like I, it's a good song, but like, I wouldn't say it's the best song that you've ever written. And then I, and then I hear later, they were all on mushrooms and I'm like, well, that's why you think it's the best song. But so <laughs> sure, it's like, sure, sure. Obviously like influences can change your experience and your relationship with the song. But yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe that's the point though, right? Like, isn't well, that's that the, the thing, point yeah. to, to maybe... be so attached to, to your art that you just want to share it with the world? Like, I honestly, like, I'm so offended by that now. Like, I'm so, I'm so, I got the ick from that side of the music industry where we, we decided that like, you know, the artist's emotional connection to their art is not meaningful anymore. Like yeah. that's the only thing that's meaningful. That's why you get these amazing, you know, visual artists who they, they don't expect anything to happen. Like I just went to the Keith Haring exhibit. Like yes, he yeah. 
live such a short life. He died when he was 32 years old. He made all this amazing art. And I don't think when he started, he expected to be as well-known as he was, but, you know, he had a personal and emotional attachment to his art. So other people did. And if you don't have that, no one is going to care. Nobody cares. Like you have to care about it first. And like, then we scratch our heads wondering why my album didn't do well. Well, did you care about it? Not really. Well, then there you go. Uh And we've, and we've been through that. We went through that. Our last album was that, which is sad. And we're admitting that to ourselves now, but it it goes like that sometimes. Mm. Talking about more on the, on that side of things, I want to sort of push into the music business sort of ish side and just want to bring up something that we were talking about through text as well earlier. Uh, but before we get into that, even um, we, we do this sort of quote thing on the pod where we, where we talk about a quote and this year's quote is, um, is the Joni Mitchell quote, which is, I heard someone from the music business saying they are no longer looking for talent. They want people with a certain look and a willing willingness to cooperate, which is again, the quote is, I heard someone from the music business saying they are no longer looking for talent. They want people with a certain look and a willingness to cooperate. And because I hadn't, I didn't have the information on the previous episodes of this podcast, this quote is taken from an interview with Robert Hilburn from the LA times in 2004. Um, so yeah, so 2004, uh, you know, post, uh, post, uh, internet world. Um, and also just reading that interview as well for the people wondering, she doesn't like this about the music industry because in, in the past episodes, we weren't sure on what, where Joni Mitchell like stood on the, on, on what she, she's right. talking about here, but she doesn't like this. Again, the quote is, I heard someone from the music business saying that they are no longer looking for talent. They want people with a certain look and a willingness to cooperate. What are your first instincts, Kara James, when you listen, when you hear this, uh, this quote by Joni hmm. I mean, yeah, I guess it, I guess it depends how she said it. Like someone <laughs> told me like yeah, that yeah, they yeah. don't care about talent anymore. Like, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Or what we expected, which Joni Mitchell being Joni Mitchell, she obviously does not like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess it, I really struggle with like, the idea of like adapting as this life goes on and as the music industry changes so rapidly, like adapting versus what things are we going to like take with us during that adaptation? Cause Mm. obviously like, yeah, there's things that I hate about the music industry, like TikTok, you know? And like, I guess someone from my generation in the music in the current music industry could say, I heard somebody saying that people don't care about your talent. They only care about your social numbers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like in 2004, that was not very prominent. Like social media was like maybe MySpace. I don't even know. Right. But I think that if I'm just working through it in my head, like if I apply it to like today, that would be sort of a similar thing, I guess. It's great. Yes. And I would, I think my response is honestly just like, yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, that is the way it is. Like, and I think, I think it, I mean, the only thing I would say is like, it is, it's just, it's discerning, but like at the same time, uh, you know, the truth always comes out about Mm. 
an artist. And I think if, you know, you're an A&R and you're going to sign somebody for their look and their willingness to cooperate, mm. and you're not really, this talent is sort of like third on that totem pole, then I think you're going to have a very short-lived career with that artist. Because obviously, like, to be a nice person goes a very, very long way in the industry. And to be cooperative goes a very long way. But if you're, if that artist isn't ultimately like honing on, in on their craft and like, um, you know, pushing themselves as an artist and obviously natural talent plays a part in that. But I think if they ultimately aren't spending any time on that and they're just focusing on their look and stuff, like it's very obvious to fans. And that's something that I've realized, right. like, I think people know when when an artist these days is more of an influencer versus like a legacy act, someone that could be a legacy act, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. In, and it shows in in their ticket sales. I I think Spotify monthlies are, we used to think that was like a pretty solid way of like knowing how popular you were, like how many tickets you could move. But it and even TikTok, we thought TikTok numbers, but we quickly learned TikTok uh, followers don't convert to ticket sales. And I would say the most old school thing, old school, which maybe it's not, but the most old school thing about me is that I strongly, strongly believe like you have to be a live artist to be, um, if you want to be a legacy act, if you want to be someone like that, you know, eventually plays stadiums, if, or that's your goal, even if that's not your goal, if you just want to be around for a long time and have a really solid career, solid fan base, like, People actually, the the number one thing they care about is your music, and they they want to see it live. And yes. if you can't perform it live, then what what then what's you're missing fifty percent of the appeal. And so, you know, that's my take on it. <laughs> it's Love great, Joni. No, it's it's what you're saying is is fantastic. I love it. Um, and I agree with it. Um, just on sort of an aside, maybe an inside look at, at what we're doing at eights right now, having a lot of like, uh, just conversations, with a lot of like, um, just people in the industry. And when we recently had a chat with, uh, an individual, an A&R director at Warner, and, uh, he was talking about how like now A&Rs, they're like past the TikTok era. And they're like mm -hmm. looking past that because they realized quite quickly that the people that they were signing off TikTok weren't weren't working for them. It, like it wasn't working. Um, yeah, it wasn't uh, just, sticking. Yeah, exactly. And just to go back to what you were just just talking about, um, they're going back to the old methods of A and R in regards to going to the shows, going to see the music live. That's because very, that's very interesting. Yeah, and 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 um, so so he sees that shift, uh, that big shift right now, and uh, I am stoked for that. Because, you know, as somebody that thinks about their, the art first and, 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 and specifically with eights, how we translate the record to live, I'm just stoked for, for, for that, for that shift, almost like a, it's like a shift back to what it was. And uh, anyway, yeah. I, I thought it was great. I um, mean, that's like the bread and butter of you, like, mm. you know, you're, you're a musician. First, yes. You yeah. understand what it's like to to be on the stage and to be in the audience and how yeah. like that converts someone to a real fan. Mm. The importance of it is immense. Like to, to be oh able my gosh, to, yeah. to play live is, is about just about the only way 
that someone is going to stick with you your entire career. Yes. You know, yeah. like obviously there's people that, you know, you can listen to the records and be like, yeah, but like if they never see a video of you playing live, they never go to a show. Like there's yeah. going to be a disconnect. Like there will be. But, and that's, yeah. and that's, and that's why festivals also work for emerging acts because the people there to, to see that Billy Eilish at the end of the night is there probably at the, at the beginning of the day, seeing these acts that are coming up through the fest, like through, through the festival lineups and see those acts that, you know, are developing or, or that are less popular than Billy Eilish, but these fans that are there for Billy Eilish get to see these acts and these fans start loving these acts and start yeah. loving these artists. And it just develops through, through that and opening acts. That's why it's so important on tour yes. and oh, like yeah. things like that. Um, I wanted 100%. to chat about something that we were texting about, um, about modern artists. And you texted me, I've had a lot of thoughts on this and how artists have become so self-promotional. And you said, hot yeah. take. Um, <laughs> um, so I did say that. <laughs> you did. Um, so w- what are your thoughts on, on the modern artists and how they need to become or that they have become so self-promotional and it's sort of tying into what we're saying here about TikTok and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even figured it out in my brain. That's why I, <laughs> yeah. I figured like, that's why I'm texting you about it. Like, I honestly, like, I don't know, but my, mm. my hot take on it is like, like, how do I word this? If you are a kid in your bedroom and you yeah. pick up a guitar and you go, wow, this is magical. Or in my case, I'll just talk about myself. Why am yeah. I using an example? Um, <laughs> I went, I, w- I was at my cousin's house um, on my mom's side and I don't see them often, but um, I guess he had gotten a drum kit and he had had it for like a year or two. So he would play like some things or whatever, but this was the first time I had been there and seen it. And he was kind of like... Like playing a little groove, and I was like, I can do that. I've never played drums in my life. Why did I think I could do that? I couldn't do it, but I sat on the kit and I, I, I just like immediately had this like experience with it where it was magical. It was literally magical touching it, like the drums. Like you probably had the same experience. Like I feel like any like drummer, like as yeah. soon as you sit down, you're like, wow, like this is where <laughs> I meant to be. Like it's a yeah. weird thing. And yeah. I'm sure other people have it in their own, you know, disciplines or whatever. But for me, it was drums and like, um, you know, even being the drummer, like I, I, I think a lot of the drummers I know have a certain personality where it's like, we like to kind of be in the back, but we like to be the loudest person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sure, I want to sure. be heard in my own way, but I don't need to be seen. Right. And all of a sudden TikTok popped up. And me as a drummer, I, now I have to put my phone up and, and do this and then, and then, and then film like what, (laughs) I don't want my face to be on, on the internet like that. Like, why did that become a thing for musicians to, I understand for like influencers and like, whatever, like that's what they do. That's how they got, that's how they became to be an influencer because they enjoyed doing that in the first place. But when did that like technique of promotion, like why did that somehow like, why did that give labels and, and, you know, the suits of the industry, like, why did that give them this like get out of jail free card to be like, 
oh, this exists, go do it and go be famous. It's like, what? Like, I did <laughs> yeah. not sign up for my face to be because, and I came up with this little, um, like, I don't know, mantra, I guess, where it's like, if I, 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 I don't want to say it, I want to sing it, you know, like, mm. I don't know, maybe that's already been said before, but I thought it was pretty clever for that. But, um, when we, we don't want to say it, so we sing it. And I think our mm. promotion, like our job is to create the music and to sing our feelings and to sing our every little thought, not for me to put the phone up and be like, so today I made a grilled cheese sandwich and the cheese looked like cheese. Like, I don't want to know that. And I don't want to be the person on the other side of the phone doing that. Right. You know what I mean? And, and then all of a sudden, the, all of this, like this heavy weight got put on the artist being like, you know, mm. when artists started to be noticed by TikTok, that's artists being discovered on TikTok, not artists that have existed before TikTok and now have to learn how to use TikTok. And like one could kind of, listen to me saying this and, and be like, well, boohoo, like adapt, right? Adapt. Mm -hmm. But I think when the adaptation takes away from the the true purpose of, of the art and the, and the substance to the art, because you're now trying to fit in a very narrow mold of TikTok and it is narrow. People say, well, it's not narrow because any, you can find anything on TikTok. No, but you have to, you know, hold the phone, do the Gen Z shake, then you got to have good lighting. And then you have to do this. And there's all these parameters and like the less edited. Now it's more edited, like all these things. And I'm okay, team, if you want us to do that, then you do that for us. Because like, yeah. that's not, I have no idea how to do that. Like, and whatever. So anyways, if you're a musician that can do that, great. You will probably win in life and that is great for you. But to generalize and expect and, and labels have whole marketing campaigns that the only touch point on it is TikTok. Yeah. And 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 we're seeing less of that now, granted, but for a few years, like for you know, probably four years, three or four years, like it was marketing uh campaigns surrounded solely by social media numbers and TikTok. So yeah. here we are putting all of this time and energy into saying it opposed to singing it. And you, and then we, my band, I personally completely disconnected from music as a whole. I don't even listen to music now. I don't care. I don't want to hear what's on TikTok. I don't care what's on New Music Friday. To me, it sucks. And maybe my song will get on New Music Friday and someone else will say that sucks. And that's fine because it probably would suck because I am now finding my way back to true artistry because TikTok created such a, um, how do I say it? Like a diluted facade or something. One size fits Mm. all for it. You have to be this way and you have to make this kind of music or you won't get noticed. Music just is clickbait now. It's not actual, like you can't have an intro. No, you can't have an intro (laughs) because if you have an intro, no one, everyone's going to skip next on your song. Like we started making music for such wrong reasons and yeah, I just the shift happened, and now we're all kind of like scurrying around, being like, "Wait, I didn't sign up for this," You're and right. we're trying to find our way back. And I'm trying to find my way back now. I'm trying to I'm trying to sing it, not say it. I don't want to speak. I just want to I just want to sing what's on what's on my mind. 
So this is a hot take. It's a, it's a hot take. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hotter take than I thought it was going to be. But no, it's great. It's a great oh, take. Oh, you didn't think that I would talk for five minutes straight about it? <laughs> no, no, no. Not like that. Not like that. It just, I, it's, 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 uh, it's very interesting. I agree with ba- pretty much all of it. Um, I think it's interesting. And I've been having these chats as well on the pod, but uh, off mic as well about how TikTok has become... So, yes, so self-promotional, but it's not necessarily, um, it's not necessarily like the label's fault. It's very much so on the, on the, just the, just how the platform is because it's all like, it's basically TikTok is all about who you don't know in discovery while Instagram was like Mm -hmm. who you follow. So you had a a choice, you had a choice to follow these people that was sort of on your feed while, while TikTok the for you page is the main sort of feed and the for you page is basically the people that you don't know. Um, so yeah. it's, it's putting power into individuals. Um, while beforehand it was, it was, it was definitely more based on the community and the people that would follow you primarily mm-hmm. probably because your content and your music was good. Um, and yeah. now the power was all in, you know, quick, uh, transitions or quick uh, little bits of music or like fancy videos or like attractive people on TikTok and stuff. And if yeah. if if your like 15 second video was cool, then you'd get likes and comments and then the algorithm would go up and then you, therefore your music would go up. Um, so it's, I, 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 you know, I want to echo what you're saying about how sort of artists got lost a little bit. Um, because they weren't necessarily thinking about sort of what quote unquote mattered, I guess. Um, in many you're also ways, putting like the you're also putting your entire career in in the hands of fate, in the hands of luck and chance. Yeah, you know, because we got really discouraged in the pandemic because like um, we would put out music that we thought was really great mm. and put it on TikTok, and like in our heads we're like, well, if it's a good song, like other people will think it's a good song too. Because right. this is for TikTok is for discovery, and it did nothing. Like it was right. actually embarrassing. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating for us. Like right. how how and we did it to ourselves with an expectation of oh this is going to do well um, mm-hmm. because we like it. But it actually doesn't work like that. TikTok doesn't work like that. If you and and so I I just think yeah like um, it's it all comes down to yeah the labels are responding not creating the demand and i think um yeah that is but true. i do think though if the energy and the efforts were focused on gaining real fans not just gaining followers then things would have been a little different for for artists like myself who had been around for years before tiktok you know yeah mm-hmm but, you know, that, that being said, like we did have our moment on TikTok and that was great. It brought us to Asia. It got us a gold record. Like we, we had we had our moment, but it also <laughs> was really it was a really toxic moment because then we sure. expected that. And again, that's our own expectation. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, it just like I mean, Rob, <laughs> Rob, Rob will probably say this to you. Um, well, I guess you can't say who's on the podcast next week. it's fine it's It's great rob rob will be uh on the podcast next week for those uh, listening (laughs) who's rob um (laughs) but he he always says it's a piece it's a it's not the whole puzzle it's a piece of it and it's true tiktok is a piece of it it's a very helpful tool 
but I think we got very zoomed, we being the industry and mm. most artists in it. Like, and I think a lot of us were kind of demoralized to, you know, doing the the things on TikTok that were clickbaity. Like it was, it was, it was a little humiliating. Mm. It, it's not who everybody is, you know, right. but you do what you think is best in the moment. And God, I wish we stuck to our gut in those moments. Mm. How are you sort of pivoting now or how can artists, how do you think artists will be generating the quote unquote real fans now or, you know, how, how are yeah. you thinking about it moving forward? What What do you think is the right, maybe not the right option, but what you will be reverting to, um, you know, over the next little while? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I honestly don't <laughs> know. I think about someone who, who, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, and you do, maybe you don't know because TikTok is so dominant. Yeah. And it's, it's, unfor- it's just so. unfortunate. It's, it's just still, unfortunate. It's still relevant. Yeah, I was yeah. hoping, I was hoping TikTok would get banned. I was banking on that, but it didn't. It's mm. still around. So, so I have, I, I have <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Um, but no, it's true. It's a, I don't know because TikTok is still lurking about. And, you know, yeah. I do go on TikTok. I am on TikTok. Like, yeah, I'm not trying to sure. act high and mighty, but, Same. <laughs> but, Same. but it's just like one of those things. It's the, it's the thing that'll, um, you know, bring you success, but also I think do a lot of damage if you're not careful with how mm. you're using the platform as an artist and, and make you seem like, someone you're not in the eyes of fans. Like, I think that was a big thing for us is just like, we had never really been super front facing. Like right. we were very intentional about that on our first two, like our first EP. And then maybe like we were not on the covers of those. And that was by choice. We didn't want, we felt, we felt we didn't have, you know, um, that sort of appeal to, we, we also didn't have the personality really to be like sort of, more front-facing like right you know a more pop-leaning act would be right and then all of a sudden that that had to shift for us because that's the thing that people people actually do want to see behind the curtain you know they want to see your face they want to see it in good lighting with a ring light you know what i mean and and (laughs) that translates to every part of your your um you know campaign with an album but obviously I, i think to answer the question, like we, we sort of learned that that actually isn't us. That's not us. Like we, we don't want to be so in your face. Like right. we just, we just want to be, you know, we want to be the musicians and the writers behind the music and we want to be the players on stage. That's all, that's all we want to be. Cause that's mm-hmm. what we're good at. And like, I think like to answer your question, like we won't be on this next album cover. Um, yeah. You know, we're not doing TikToks where you can see inside my home. Like, we're yeah, not doing yeah. TikToks where uh, you give too much information. Because I think the part that I sort of, the the thing that I like about my favorite artists and people that I, you know, am, am, am intrigued by are people that I don't, I, there's a bit of escapism there. And I think we gave it all away at one point in our career. And I think this is probably just like the little mosquito in my brain that's telling me this, but like, 
I, I feel as if we're not interesting enough people to give to, to fully pull that curtain. You know, we're not Matt, we're not Matt Healy. We're not addicted to heroin. We're not, we're not Dominic Fike. We didn't spend a year in jail. Like right, we, right, we right. were four white kids who grew up in a suburb outside of Toronto. Like, <laughs> there's, <laughs> sure, there, sure. like whatever, like obviously there's, there's, sto- we have stories and we have substance as people, but like, totally. there's no clickbait. And I think, and I think so. Yeah. I mean, our, what we need to hone in on our, on our strengths and what we would naturally do you know, what we naturally did when we started the band. Cause I think that you, you try to, like we said at the beginning, like you try to get away from that. Mm-hmm. You try to get away from like your authentic self for some reason. Cause you think it's like grass is greener or you're craving to be someone else that you've seen on Instagram or whatever. And then, so you do that and, and then you realize that like who you were when you weren't even thinking about who you were. And maybe you're a little bit dorky, maybe you're a little bit unfiltered, like who knows? But that's you. That's who you are, and that's what brings color into into life. And and I go on TikTok now, not to relate everything back to TikTok, but I see everyone changing who they are to fit into the mold. When that was like actually not the point mm-hmm. of being an artist. An artist is is you know their most authentic self, so that it can be an example to everyone who's you know, in finance or a doctor who wants that escapism. And I think that's our job. So why are we trying to be so rigid? You know, mm. that's the the complete opposite of what we should be. So that's what I think. <laughs> cool. no, it's, it's, it's great. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's given me a lot to think about and I'm sure the, the listeners and uh, watchers, I, watchers that's not the right word but the people listening the watchers. yeah the watchers the zoom attendees <laughs> yeah yes that's right uh of this podcast also are thinking about uh, about that and where they stand on that um now to completely shift the conversation <laughs> and Let's we have shift. been going we have been going for a little bit um, we need to shift because my my uh, my blood pressure is going to talking about tiktok <laughs> no that's right that's right um, wanted to talk about your origin story. Um, you know, been <laughs> following you, you you for so long. I don't want to talk about the uh the uh double booked studio session. Um <laughs> but, Thank you. Yeah. That's but something I, you can Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please Google the double booked studio session <laughs> for the Valley fans. Um I want to talk about sort of just sort of yourself and sort of disassociate from 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 the 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 band for a second um your origin story can you give me a lowdown on sort of your creative upbringing um from just a, a perspective of yes maybe the drumsticks first or um you know so even some early influences and i also want to eventually talk about your your uh, your visual art as well yes so hmm, how far back do i go <laughs> I'll make it brief. So I, my uncle's a drummer. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, gave me some pairs of drumsticks just to have, and they were always sitting at my house and I never really touched them. But one day I had a friend over and I was like, I want to make a shoebox drum kit. So I got all these shoe boxes and like pie plates and I would hang them from the ceiling and 
and I just like made this drum kit like a meal part it was actually pretty sick like around me thing yeah. and I played the thing yeah. to a pulp like it was it did not exist after so my mom heard me from upstairs and she was like I'm gonna sign this kid up for drum lessons so I took drum lessons at the local music store gear music shout out Scott um Scott. great spot I got my Legend. first drum kit from Scott Legend. Scott sold me my first drum kit nice. the one that I still play yep um oh well yeah I know I'm actually gonna <laughs> get Yamaha? yeah oh yeah I, I I that kit I literally um I would this is gonna make me sound strange but please just hear me out <laughs> I would go into people's recycling bins and yeah. collect their beer cans and then I'd have my little wagon and I would go all around the neighborhood. Like I, I did that before I knew it was a thing in Toronto. Like I'm like, okay, revenue stream. Like, <laughs> like if you're looking for a side hustle, like I made money off that. I bought my first drum kit off that. I also wow, mowed yeah. the lawn for my dad. Um, and I didn't know I was gay. Like, what are you talking about? Like I <laughs> mowed the lawn and collected beer cans and you didn't know that you were fruit. Anyways. Um, I did odd jobs. I walked my neighbor's dog. Yeah. Um, so, and then I bought my first drum kit from yeah. Scott at Gear Music. And I still tour with that one. It's the natural wood Yamaha yeah. Stage Custom. But I am great actually going to be getting a new kit this year. It is a great kit. It's a great, great kit. kit. There's no need to reinvent the wheel when it's yeah. a great kit. You and you're, you're telling me that you you're, you've been touring the world with a kit that you... Yes bought because you were collecting cans and mowing lawns i was digging through people's recycling bin <laughs> yeah, and more finding like, yeah. strange things in there but i I'm would sure. find the odd beer can yeah or whatever and yeah i made Amazing. i made some some good cash money off that and so yes i bought my first drum kit and then crazy as they say the rest is history i just yeah, i went yeah. to school i went to humber college that's kind of I think maybe where we first met. Yes, I didn't go like to Humber. We, we knew, but we but, knew of each other. Yes. That's where we were introduced to each other. Yeah. Through the community there. Yes. So I, I met a lot of friends, <laughs> a lot of pals. I remember you uh, meeting you for the first time. Um, you were playing drums for uh, Emily, um, who released a single today. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Yes, shiny yeah. silver bullet. Shiny silver bullet. What what a song! This comes out Tuesday, but for those listening, you got to check out "Shiny Silver Bullet" by Earth to Emily. Honestly, yeah. a great song, like great track. I'm, yeah, I'm so so stoked um, on that song. Um, but yeah, no, I I originally met you um, while you were drumming, uh, or to, uh, for 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 Emily. Um, I believe it was at the at the back of the Cameron House. <laughs> Uh, oh, I thought maybe anyway. it was at the burdock because that night, the night at the burdock, I got my second concussion. Oh my and, gosh! And I don't remember a thing after that night. It's just all a blur. But jeez, because I don't remember meeting you that night. <laughs> that's what. No, no, that's, that's no, that's fine. That's it's totally fine. It's 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 so long ago, and we weren't like we didn't really know each other. Um, oh. but um, that's great. Um just to wrap i guess to wrap up and and make a like sort of a quick little bow on the origin story when yeah. did things start becoming like more like pro for you 
or like when did you see the shift of like maybe it was in college maybe it wasn't but where where did you was there a moment ever that was like oh my gosh i can actually like do this like for a living and be like this is my career yeah just to inspire I mean, the youngins <laughs> i knew when i when i started playing drums like yeah. i knew this was going to be my career like i yeah, that's great. already decided that yeah and i knew that um but i'm i mean cheeky by saying that but the real moment that i was like oh i'm a i'm a professional musician like yeah, yeah, yeah. probably like it, and this was more of the like illusion of that i already knew it's what i was going to do but i think just the more like traditional things that would happen like when we when i was in college and we got our you know first agent i was like oh yeah this is a, this is going to be a, a real career like i know that right. if if other people believe in it then we believe in it mm. and um yeah i think it, when, when we started get, getting messages from you know labels and and people wanting to manage us and stuff so right. i think i think i had known um then i think i guess like i had known that but i knew that i was gonna like i yeah, didn't yeah. need to know it to know it if that makes sense yeah. but yeah, right. I guess when when you tell yourself, "Oh, someone else is interested," like you can right. really, truly, like make it real. So. Right. You were so passionate for a long time, and it's like, "Oh my gosh, somebody else is is interested in in <laughs> in me doing this." Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, wanted to talk about, as I mentioned previously, um, I want to shine a light on a few things that are unique about your perspective on creativity and art. Um, so let's talk about your visual art. I mean, I see it all the time on socials, but I also see it. Sometimes in friends' places, just walking in there, and it's like, oh my gosh, uh, a piece of Kara's art. Um, a piece of crap from Kara. <laughs> no, 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 not even. Not a, you not a piece of a piece of what? <laughs> <laughs> I was. I don't know what to say. A piece of Kara's art, I guess, is what I is, is what I meant to say. I'm just, my, I'm it's, just my it's my ESLness. My ESLness coming into play. I'm, um, I'm just yanking. <laughs> it's all good. Um, I want to talk about your process there when that came into play for you. Um, and uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's start there. Yeah. I think I just, I actually am trying to think of, I guess I'd always been interested in painting. Like I, I would get little art kits as a child and yeah. I would do, I would paint when I was a kid, like, you know, every so often. Um, so I had lots of like supplies and like, um, I've always enjoyed like going to the art store and just looking around. It's like a candy shop. Yeah. There's so many like paints and tools and stuff like that. Um, but I think I had purchased like a canvas during the pandemic. And at the time I was living in a house on Queen Street and, and there mm. was an empty room because my the girl that I was going to live with, she hadn't moved in yet. And I told her, I was like, you know, I was like, I'm... I have actually set up a full art studio in here. Like, and she was like, okay, well, I'm going to be back this day. So I'm like, oh, don't worry. It'll be gone. It'll be gone. But I had the best time. Just like I put all these sheets down and then I, yeah. I had, I put them on the wall so I wouldn't get the walls dirty or whatever. And like, um, I just like went to town. I paint, I was just painting in the pandemic. Like it was fun. Like I, and then I, I think when I realized that the reason that I, f I found so much joy in it was because, um, 
I just found a lot of like when you do something for a career like music like mm. naturally like the fun does get crossover to work and yeah. to things that maybe aren't as fun and also you add the layer of having like an agenda over everything so like I don't make music often anymore to just like make music because in the back of my head I know well don't just make this to make this because you want to make it to use it in your band yeah. but that like scathes the the process because then now I'm now I have a reason to make it when it's just like well what would happen if I just did it you know what I mean yeah. for no purpose or anything I don't I can't I haven't figured out how to like just do that so yeah, whatever yeah. my way of making art and being creative without an agenda is just painting and I'm I I'm not an artist like I I, I actually cannot say that I am and like I don't want people to like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Like, I can't draw. That's why I make abstract art because I actually mm. can't draw. Like, I'm terrible, terrible. Like, not even a, a fiber of my being. I draw stick people. Like, there's nothing else. So I just, like, I literally <laughs> throw paint. And I was like, this is kind of good. Like, I, like, this look, <laughs> yeah. this is like visually pleasing. Right, right, right. And, and so, like, I know, I know the art. I make it is visually pleasing. That's the point. But, but I, I definitely am not like a multifaceted visual artist. Like I, I don't do, I don't really draw. Like I don't do anything else. Like I just mm. do the painting and, and whatever. And that satisfies me creatively. And yeah, people started to dig it and, you know, I've sold many of them and yeah. I've auctioned many of them off for charities, which is something that has been important to me. Um, yeah, it's it's been a really nice little side hustle for me. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't even say hustle because I don't make money off it. <laughs> I just like I just do it for fun. But it's it's yeah. it's something that I really enjoy, and I hope to have like a studio one day. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a beauty in in the in the in the abstract art, um, and I mean, I mean, say what say what you want about abstract art, but it's still like your art is still recognizable when i go to friend's house i'm like oh my gosh that's kara you know what i'm saying so it's 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 very it's well, still very cool to, to to while it's not maybe um straightforward it's still recognizable and it's still it's still your piece and uh, you know i love well, that that's so. good to hear um have you ever thought about and i'm going completely off script here but uh i'm a huge radiohead fan for those who know favorite band of all time of mine um, Tom, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but um, specifically during the making of Kid A and Amnesiac, uh, two records in 2000, 2001, Tom York and their close collaborator, Stanley Donwood, had a um, an art studio on top of their music studio. And basically Stanley, so cool. Stanley was um, painting throughout the process of both records listening to the music that was happening downstairs and wow. it, it allowed tom to also when he was sick of, of being the musician tom york he would go upstairs and become the artist tom york um so and they cool. they created uh thousands of sketches and paintings uh during the time of those two albums and um and it sort of became an escape for tom and while working with his best pal from university stanley donwood and it eventually became the artwork 
and uh, all the assets for um, their album Kid A and album Amnesiac. I'm just wondering wow. if, yeah, I'm just wondering if that would ever be like your visual arts would ever impact your band in that way. And if you've ever thought about That's sort cool. of doing, you know, your art, visual art brain sort of having an impact on Valley. And if it does already, um, and if there's ever, you know, a possibility that those two could sort of, you could, what I'm hinting at is basically, have you ever thought about making visual art for the band? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, I have thought about it and I, and I did one time, hmm. um, we made, I made the inner sleeve for the lost in translation vinyl. Yeah. Um, it's like a purple painting. Um, yeah. I just painted that and then we just scanned it and, and put it, put it in there. But yeah, I, I honestly don't like know if I have the confidence <laughs> to like go to my van and be like, Hey, you know, yeah, let me do the visuals. Like they'd be like, okay, like, I like I, I just feel like I I'm not I don't know maybe I am maybe I could do something like that but I feel like right now I I, I don't have the skills to like change I wouldn't be able to change something or like it's like I don't have the the vocabulary as an artist but maybe I don't need that like honestly yeah. I'm I don't know like maybe if 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 there was trust in me to do that like I would mm. I would obviously try and maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. suck, but, but I love that idea. Actually, I, I was, I was thinking about bringing some art supplies, um, whenever we go do the next album, like to, uh, just like paint in the room and like other people can paint and just like, there's something so nice about it. Like I, I know like so many people, like if not everyone, that like doesn't enjoy being a kid and sticking your hand in some paint and just like slapping it on. Like who doesn't yeah. like that? Like yeah, yeah, we yeah. all find we, so much joy in that. Like think of one kid that didn't draw when they were five years old. Like we all did it. And you're telling me oh, that yeah. you're just going to stop doing that when you become an adult. Like when did you become an adult? So like, I think it's something <laughs> yeah. instinctual in all of us. Like, yeah. And I feel like it just takes you, I understand why he did that. Like it completely, you, you're still being creative, but mm. you're, but you're able to completely zoom out from the other creative world you were just in, which was the yeah. basement or the downstairs doing the music, yeah. you go upstairs and you can still be creative. You don't have to sacrifice that, but at least in a different way. And then you come back to the art and you, and you hear the music differently. It's like mm. you see the art differently. Like it, it's so important to have another creative outlet as an artist of any type. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> excuse me, sorry, I'm coughing right into the mic. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, uh, it's, um, yeah, it makes me think about, you know, what you were saying earlier about not necessarily your, your faces um, being on the next record, you know, or like things like that, where there could be a possibility there for you. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, it could be interesting. And um, yeah, you know, I'd love to pass you my, the, the book that I just got uh, during the holidays of that period of time of Tom, Tom York and Stanley. Cool. It's like this like huge book. Uh, it's like basically like a, a scrapbook of hundreds and hundreds wow. of pages of, of that. And they talk about their process. That is cool. Love I to, love that. Love to pass you that. That's inspiring. Um, I'm inspired. 
Yeah, there you go. So uh, <laughs> um, I also wanted to talk to you about your uh, songwriting as well. Um, while many of many of the people listening or many people just in general maybe think of you as the drummer in Valley, uh, I believe that many uh, need to discover your pen and your writing prowess, um, whether prowess. for your own group um, or for the Toronto icons, uh, the beaches amongst amongst other people that you've collaborated with. Um, can you speak to, you know, writing um, even on your own terms and um, your perspective on on that on that output that Kara's output as a as a writer? Yeah, I I think I have the same outlook with the art, the visual art, where it's like, right, I'm an imposter. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Come on. I I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I definitely wish I had more confidence in that as well. But like, and I do, and I and I know what my strengths are, and I know that I'm a good writer. But I but I think it's still something that I only started really doing in high school opposed to like when I started playing drums in like elementary school, you know, like, so and my brain is still like in this mode of like, you are a drummer, you play drums. And it's like, well, yes, but also other things. And it's just warming myself up to the fact that I can't, I can do this and I can do that. Oh my gosh. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think when I think about it, it's like, I'm like, what do I talk about? Because I, I guess, I mean, with the beaches, like I, I was so I, nervous is not the word, but um, maybe detached, I guess. Like mm. I was so detached to the idea that I was a writer and they had asked me to come in. They, they asked me to come and write for them. And in my head, I'm like, why don't you ask Rob in my head? Right. That's what I said. And so that I, but I knew I had to detach myself from like this, like self-loathing thing of like you're not a writer like I can be anything I want to be and yeah. and so I was very detached going there detached from the outcome and I mm -hmm. think that's why we got such great songs like I think at least my right. contribution to those songs was detached but it was good ideas coming to the table but detached ideas were um I wasn't afraid to say something and nor was I curating it too much to a point where you know, I was trying to appease their, their previous albums or mm. what I thought maybe Jojo's narrative wanted to be or whatever. Like, so I think that actually worked in my favor and I yeah. learned a lot in, in those sessions that I did with them. Cause I realized that about myself. Like I, the reason, you know, I sort of maybe have struggled in the past, um, you know, with writing with my band, because like it is, it is a struggle. No, no matter who you are in the band, Rob, Mickey, Alex, or me, like you are struggling in that writing room because it's very challenging to write with four people who are four writers who have their four different styles and four different narratives. Like mm. that's that's tough. So I think I just went into the beaches set sessions with such a stress mindset of like wanting yeah. to do a good job. I literally just disconnected from everything I ever knew. And then I learned, I was like, wait, if I do that for Valley, like that's the, the secret is just to right. disconnect to whatever the outcome is. And like, 
we've been writing a, a couple of songs in the last few months and like they're the best songs we've ever written because we, I think Rob sort of had the same realization of like, I have worked myself up so much and Rob's an amazing writer. Like he, he's one of the best songwriters I know truly. And he caught himself in the same pattern of like, I'm not a songwriter. Like I can't, I can't write a pop song. Like I can't do this. Like, or whatever, because you think you have to curate to someone. It's like, who, who are you? Cur- who are right. you curating to? Mm. Like, you know what I mean? So I think once we realize that we were able to like notice we were doing it and then, and then be able to like stop doing that. But it's a pattern. I think that's why people get writer's block and stuff. But anyways, like that, I think just to touch on like the beaches stuff, I think, I honestly think that that was why I was able to contribute in those sessions. Cause like they're amazing musicians and songwriters too. Like there was no lack of ideas in that room yeah. or whatever. And like, I, I feel super lucky to have been asked to, to write with them. And, and yeah, I mean, they, they, the songs, the album did well and that was great. And it yeah. was exciting. It is exciting to be a part of that process. So that was cool. I think it gave me some confidence and, um, yeah, writing with Valley, like, I don't know. I, there's, there's a lot of songs that I write that don't make it to albums and that's fine because I think just recognizing my position in the band as well, like, um, I'm, the, I'm inherently the drummer and that's okay. That's the, that's what I'm best at. I am best at playing drums at the end of the day. Um, and I'm not the one that people need to believe that's singing the songs, you know, mm. it's Rob. And I think ultimately that's, that's a part of being in a band is like, you got to know your, your position, you know, like if someone's going to hold the band down, it's me. But if someone's going to like sing to like the front row of the audience and like pour their heart into something and like, see the sweat and the tears dripping down their face. That's Rob, you know? So he's <laughs> got to believe every single word of it. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough writing in a band. It really is. It's mm-hmm. not an easy task, especially when you've been in a band for so long. Like you start yeah. to adapt with, like you start to like um, take on other people's ideas and stuff. And then you lose originality. It's like, that's why you work with other people. That's why you collaborate. And that's what we do. So, yeah. That's great. Uh, I was going to ask how your your experience with the beaches um, has, has sort of has influenced your pro- current process with with uh, with Valley, um, but you did it and and do. I was also going to ask about your, uh, your your the the drumming part of of writing, and you did it as well. Um, so it's great. Um, just to wrap up on on, on this sort of topic, um, how and this is general, um, but how can broadening your perspective and creative process help um, your art and, and your life actually um, talking about visual um, you, you know, visual art writing. Um, uh, this is just a very general question, but how can broader broadening your, your, your perspectives on that um, affect your, your, I guess, main creative process. Um, or your life any hmm. thoughts <laughs> yeah I mean I actually have a lot of thoughts on that I yeah. I I never want to be that guy but I went on this silent 
meditation retreat. I know yes. there it is. There yeah. it is. But <laughs> I did this retreat. And yeah. I, when I say retreat, it makes it sound glamorous. It was not glamorous. It was, right. it was two meals a day. Like you, you know, nothing fancy about the food, like a single bed, a little blanket, like it's very bare bones. Like mm. it's supposed to take you away from luxuries and it definitely did but it also gives you a lot of perspective so you you practice meditation for 10 hours every day it's 10 days long you're awake for 17 of those hours so from 4 a.m to you know 9 30 10 30 whenever um but yeah you're completely in silence and you spend a lot of time alone naturally like you are with other people but you can't make eye contact you can't speak to them like or whatever so to bring this back to the question mm. during that time I learned so much about myself in that like the the way that I perceive the world is all just because of like cumulative uh life experiences a cumulative cumulative um, I can't say that word you know what I mean emotions oh, yeah. <laughs> and and ways I've reacted to emotions and scars and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the lens we see life with. And that's the lens you're going to see anything with creative discipline, this, that, 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 that. So the biggest thing that I've sort of learned with tying this to the creative process is, is literally just detachment from anything. Because if you are craving, if you own the, the room, and you are craving and you want to write a hit and then you're craving to write a hit. And that is going to cause you misery when you don't write a hit or mm. when you write the song and you put it out and it's not a hit and, or you're going to write a song that you don't like and you're going to avert from that. And you're going to say that was not, a, that's not a good song. And now I feel crappy because now I'm, a, I'm a bad writer um, I'm never going to write a good song and I have writer's block. Something's wrong. This, that, 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 that. And those are all because you have created an attachment and you've reacted to what just happened. It's impersonal. It's, it's not personal. Why you wrote a bad song versus why you write a good song in the room. Mm. And I've, and I, and I learned that through this meditation and this practice and it literally changed my life. Um, it's just so interesting, like to see, to notice every time I have a craving or an aversion from something, those two things will cause you misery, like a hundred percent of the time. That's the cause for all misery. And in everything I do now, like I think about that because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, Oh, I want it's 10 30 and I, I really, really want a bag of chips, like really badly. Mm. I know when I wake up in the morning, all the salt and the junk, of that is going to make me feel so gross. You know, that's like a simple one. Like we all crave junk food. We crave yeah. things that don't make <laughs> us feel good. But then it's also the craving of like, well, you know, I'm, I, I'm craving to, you know, have this big life change because the grass is greener on the other side or, or whatever. And people fall into that trap of, of craving something. And then it doesn't bring them what, they thought it would and they're empty inside. And I think just bringing that into the next album that we do, 
mm-hmm. has literally changed everything for us because we are writing songs like for fun. We are always writing, but the songs that we've been writing after just like talking about this with a, a bit with the boys, just like sharing what I had learned, like we can consciously create music without that, like, like toxic attachment to it, you know, of like, this song has to be good. This song has to be a hit. This song, um, you know, I'm a bad writer because of this, like all the emotions that come during the creation process. And it's made me making music fun again, which is insane because it was so unfun for a long time. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I mean, like now I feel like I, I don't even quite remember the question that you said, but I feel, but but that was that was my big realization <laughs> toward creating music. Yeah, it's perfect. I you know let's move on because it's 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 great and it wasn't necessarily, um, you know, tied directly to the question, but it was honestly very important. It's really great to hear. Um, Not the question I asked, but thank you for thank you for sharing. <laughs> no, 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 but it is. It, 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 in many ways, it is tied to, to, to what I asked about um, how you, you're, you're broadening your perspectives have changed your creative output. And it's, it's very much yeah. that. Um, yeah, it totally is. Fantastic. And, and, you know, I also want to be conscious of the time. And thanks for sharing all that stuff. Um, no worries. Um, thanks for listening, people, <laughs> Zoom, Zoom attendees and that. <laughs> um, I wanted to move on to their last two topics uh, and a brief topic in in that being in a band. And I, we've talked about throughout this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've been wanting to have Valley on for a long time. Um, I wanted to have you, all four of you on sort of together, like two of you together and then another two of you together for a while. Um, and we are having Rob on next week for the people um, listening. Um, so I'm stoked to also be be able to compare, you know, some perspectives and and, and conversation from this week to next week. Um, find the holes, find the yeah, holes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Everything. And then report back to to, to the both of you. Um, yeah, and see who's lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You said, and then you said. <laughs> um, no, I just wanted to know, like, um, how is it? How is it being in a band in 2024 compared to? To, to when when you all started um you know comparing that um the beginning to 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 now how is it being in a band in 2024 to now to, no sorry to from 2024 uh how is it being in a band in 2024 compared to when you started um, oh i see okay yeah. <laughs> yeah, um yeah. very general very general question yeah, I mean, so much changes. Yeah, like so much. You, mm. we grew up together. Like we, we went through formative years together in like yes, early twenties. Yeah. We met when we were nineteen, um, and then we spent our entire twenties together. Yeah, and I think that honestly, like, I don't know, being in a band is like being in a family. It's like being in a chosen family, but also not chosen at the same time. Because right. like they become like your siblings, yeah, yeah. and then totally. you add the layer of like we're not just hanging out, like we have a band together, like we mm-hmm. have real responsibilities now. So like 
there is an aspect of it that like you do have to sort of commit yourself to each other like a marriage or whatever um but yeah I think we went to band therapy as a lot of people probably know because we overshared many <laughs> times about that sure. um but we went to band therapy we learned a lot about each other and a lot about ourselves mm. um but then there became a, then there came a time we had a great therapist like real real good um but and he was it wasn't him it was just us like we we sort of used therapy as like a a crutch or like an enabler yeah to not communicate with each other outside of the context uh, of that room hmm. and I, when we sort of started to notice that we realized like oh like we're you know paying basically to have conversations with each other when that's kind of weird like we should be having we should be communicating with each other you know in the green room or right you know whatever like yeah sure yeah like literally anywhere except for the context of only in this therapy (laughs) in this room sure um but yeah so then we stopped going to therapy for a little bit we would we got better communication and stuff and and now i think communication has been really great honestly like um yeah we're we're closer than ever right now and great yeah we've had a lot of challenges in the last like even um this month in the last few weeks and like I think it has has seriously like brought us closer together and it's it's really made us realize like how precious this thing we have together is like it's it's this delicate like series of events that needed to happen for us to meet even just meet Mm. Yeah. And and then sudden and then figure out how we're gonna make music together and how we're gonna run a business together and how we're gonna tour together and sleep in the same rooms and sleep in beds together, like do yeah, everything yeah, yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's like a really weird recipe for disaster, but but somehow we made it work and we're still making it work. So like we need to hold on to that. Yeah. You know, like that's really that's really rare. And a lot of bands break up and you know, we don't want to be one of those bands. Like we want to stick it out until the end, until the end. Like one of us will have <laughs> yeah. to die for us to like right. break up literally. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we're, we're in it and it's always going to change. Another 10 years from now, we'll be looking back on right now and be like, wow, that was, you know, so much has totally. happened. And, yeah. yeah. I know you're, y'all are in, are, are in writing mode right now. I want to mm-hmm. another general question. How is Kara different in this mode of of the group versus to a, a Kara on the tu- on the touring cycle? <laughs> this is a, this is kind of like a, it's like it's almost like a fun question. Uh, well, what's, what's I different about you name. now? Oh yeah, I'm just go. kidding. I dye my hair. <laughs> I no, I I'm honestly pretty much the same. Yeah. Um at least from my perspective, I Mm. think on the road, I definitely, uh, maybe I have more of like a discipline with myself just because I I really don't see how you're supposed to tour for half of your life and not create some sort of routine. Like, I think you'll go crazy. Like you just have to find 
what that routine is for you. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's, it's, it's changes for every tour based on like our circumstances, but definitely more regimented, definitely more intentional on tour because, you know, you could stay up every night till three in the morning. And we do some, sometimes because yeah. if you finish the show at 12, you're not going, you need to wind down. You're chatting with everyone or whatever, tearing down. Like you're not going to bed till three, four, yeah. maybe. But it's like, if you let yourself do that, like you're going to crash and burn. So I think just like, you know, being intentional with like me time um, mm. is important too. like, you know, not hanging out tonight, going to bed kind of thing. But other than that, I feel like it's kind of the same thing. Like we, when we write, we go, we usually go away to somewhere and we live together and we hang out in our PJs and we might be up till three in the morning making a song. So it doesn't yeah. change too much. You know, I think, <laughs> I think in this phase though, it's more of, I definitely try to let myself um, have a lot of like life experiences and I'm definitely more introspective, mm. which is exhausting. I actually don't really like the writing process because of that. Like touring is more of my bag. Cause like, it's it's routine there's it's, right. it's more black and white yeah versus writing i'm like oh, I have to look within today you right. know like <laughs> sure i don't sure. want to look within today like that's the last thing i want to do but right. you got to do it you got to be honest with yourself and, and real so yeah i mean definitely more trying to be more free-flowing during a writing process mm -hmm. that's great um wrapping up um what are you looking forward to right now um for you know you know i'm I'm just gonna keep it like that what what are you looking forward to right now hmm. what am i looking forward to i'm looking forward to meeting my manager's new puppy who <laughs> yes. we're gonna see next week and he's just a little baby so he doesn't even know because he's a baby so he's just he's just like this uh so i won't do the dog voice nobody wants to hear that um looking forward to meeting the dog and that's about it um Great. i don't know i'm I'm trying i'm trying to think on the spot i mean there's things that i am looking forward to but i i don't think i'm allowed to say no that's all right that's all right but let me just let me sum it down to there are things to look forward to in the valley sphere but can't say can't Perfect. say yet so Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to the uh, Cloud Machine Podcast. We're here with Kara James. I'm laughing because typically when we do it inside the studio, we have all these cues and stuff right like that. But because we're doing it virtually, uh, I'm just like starting from sort of just random, a random place. Um, so, yeah, we're back with uh, Kara James. It's the producer's game. For those who don't know what the producer's game is, is basically uh, a chance for us to discover uh, the I the like a dream sort of album that my guests would put on. I asked them uh, who the artist would be, who the producer would be on the record, who would be playing on the record, aka who would be the band on the record, who would be into the who would come into the studio to write with this artist, uh, the themes as in what what the album would be about, um, the studio where where it would be recorded, uh, the and the city so. As an example, you could bring Abbey Road to New York and then the era, as in you could do a EDM record in the 1920s. Um, so here with Kara James to talk about uh, her producer's game. So um, Kara, what you got for us? 
Okay, so it's a little bit crazy, but <laughs> yeah. so basically the artist would obviously be Stevie Nicks. Um, producer, I think uh, either Ross Sam or wow, Maranasa yeah. would be cool. Like yeah. that'd be kind of sick. Um, writer, mm-hmm. Chase Lawrence from a band called Coin. Okay, yeah, great. Incredible writer. Yeah. Chase Lawrence. Um band? The band. Okay, this is where it gets really exciting, everybody. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. drummer, Jeff Picaro, brought back Whoa. from the dead. Yes. <laughs> okay. Jeff Picaro. Um I would just have to have Buck- uh, Lindsay Buckingham in there. Nice. Because I know like that's kind of crossing, like we're sort of mixing like in maybe a bad way, but that's okay. They'll sort their problems out. Um, Lindsay, Lindsay Buckingham, and I don't like Pino on bass. Jocko, yeah. who knows? That's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just said the two bass players. I know. Uh, what's that <laughs> other guy's great. name? What's that? What's Victor Wooten? Victor Wooten. That's the other bass player. Good old okay. Victor. Yeah. Um, and what then. Would, what would the album be about? Oh, the album. Okay, so it would probably naturally be pretty witchy, just given that Stevie Nicks is like, you know, the artist. So yeah, definitely, um, like you know, like a spooky, a spooky album. Okay, <laughs> I would want to record it in Memphis because yeah. what better place to record music? That's great. Um, the studio would definitely just be a plain old house like someone's house like mm. i wouldn't want a fancy studio yeah and the time period is the 1970s because that to me was the best sounding era of music <laughs> fantastic i think it's that would be a pretty good album pretty sick yeah um wow well that's great i mean i would be super down to uh listen to this record um oh, thanks my hypothetical record thank you yeah Especially in Memphis. I'm I'm surprised by Memphis. Why Memphis? I don't know, because I, I was thinking of like I just watched the Elvis movie again. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like Memphis is so rich. You know, mm-hmm. like there's so much like good music, you yeah. know, so much talent. Like it's just it's a hub. You know, yeah. everyone overlooks it because they go to Nashville. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, what about Memphis? Like Memphis is where people Memphis is what like people living in Nashville, like came from memphis like and they went there yeah like it's just such a good spot for for music i don't know fantastic the south it's the south that's right that's right um that's how we basically finish the app uh i want to thank you for coming on thank you so much for having me (laughs) thanks for letting me uh talk for so many minutes no, no, no. It was, it was, it was so great. More than to... 50, more than 50 seconds for sure. Yeah, that's right. More than 50 seconds. Uh, yeah, no, it was so great to, 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 to talk to you about your process and, you know, the multi hyphenate Cara James, um, more than, more than just the, the band, uh, the band member, um, you know, the visual art piece, uh, the, the writing piece, but also the silent meditation piece, which I hadn't talked to you uh, specifically about. But I had talking to Shay about it. Mm. Um, shout out Shay. Shout out Shay. Yeah. <laughs> shout out Shay. Um, but um, 
Yeah. And um, so for those listening, uh, make sure to, you know, check out the band. Um, that's at this is Valley on, on all socials. Um, and Kara's IG at is it okay, wait. I need to I need to I need to set this straight. Is it locale color? Local. Local color. I don't even know why. I was who knows, 18 years old making an Instagram account thinking I was <laughs> thinking I thinking I was like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. you don't need to be you don't you don't need to be artsy like that, but <laughs> I think it's great. Color. I think it's I great. can't change it now. That's the problem, you know. Like I right. want I've been trying to change it. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I just I can't. So no, I think it's great and it, it fits into the the whole um the whole art visual art piece as well. Yeah, I was the foreshadowing news. for a <laughs> that's right. That's a right. career as an visual artist yeah um but yeah thank you and uh thanks uh to those who've been listening to the pod um specifically in this episode because it is the 52nd not 50 seconds uh pod, 52nd uh, yeah 52nd uh you know episode of the cloud machine podcast and um yeah it's, it's great it's a year officially and uh it's a go- so great to have you on Kara for this uh for this one year anniversary actually so um that's exciting that's a lot that's a lot of of uh guests it yeah and a lot of a lot of chit chat yeah it's a lot of talking it's a lot of talking and a lot it's of editing one a week <laughs> a lot of editing yeah, yeah 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 so yes one a week and uh you know it's been great and um but yeah thank you for those listening uh, you know, we love to keep interacting, love seeing the comments, love seeing the questions as well. Um, please don't hesitate to leave, uh, you know, a, a comment, a question on 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 socials, but also on uh, YouTube or what, wherever you're sort of listening to this. Um, and again, don't hesitate to subscribe as well. Um, the whole the whole classic uh, subscribe, you know, comment, like, subscribe thing. Um, but you know, as always. Uh, stay safe and see you next week. Thanks, Carol. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye.